Welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. Today's kind of a big day. Today is my first in-person podcast interview in more than two years. That is a crazy statistic. I haven't been able to sit down face-to-face with somebody with the microphones doing a podcast like this um, in two years. How is that possible? Well, you know how that's possible. It has been so long that I actually had to practice setting up the gear to make sure I knew which options to select on the podcast software. And even with my hours worth of practice, I still managed to mess something up. So you may notice that my audio is just a little bit low. That's why the guest, however, is great. Um, Felt a little bit like the first day of school, so kind of delicious. Now, ironically, as I was navigating some tech issues, my guest is the queen of tech, Jennifer Jolly, real last name. Jennifer and I have known each other for, gosh, maybe like 15 years now. She used to work in TV news in the Bay Area. She transitioned to tech reporting, and she's gone on to become one of the top tech TV reporters in the country. She's been on the show before, and if you search whatever podcast platform you're listening to this right now, you'll be able to hear her backstory from growing up in rural Alaska to being a big deal in the Silicon Valley. Um, Here's her LinkedIn profile. I just cut and paste this, so I'm going to basically like read from it. Jennifer Jolly is an award-winning consumer technology contributor, writer, and on-air personality. She created the national syndicated multimedia series Tech Now for USA Today and Gannett Media. Before that, she hosted Tech's Appeal, which is a syndicated video series, and she's done columns for Yahoo and Time. Jennifer is a frequent consumer technology contributor for many TV shows, including Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray. She's done all of the morning shows, including the Today Show a lot, CNN, Headline news. I guarantee you, guarantee you've seen her on stuff um, over the years, and I feel like she's everywhere. With 20 years of experience as a journalist, broadcaster, and brand consultant, she connects with audiences and delivers simple, easy to understand, buzzworthy tips, tricks, and insight. She is a great geek speak translator and makes it easy for people to understand consumer technology, why it matters, and how to score the best deals. That geek speak translator is such a skill. She takes super complicated stuff. Oh, this is me. This is not the LinkedIn profile. She takes super complicated um, technology and gear, and she can explain not only how it works, but why you need it, or sometimes why you don't need it. And that can be just as important. We got to know each other over the years professionally because she would come into the station and do tech segments with us. And we always ended up chatting for a good 30 minutes after the news was over. We became text friends, which basically meant that I would text her and say, should I buy this or should I buy that? And can I save money on this? Is there a better way to do it? And she was just so helpful with sharing the information. And then one day after a segment, she had seen some of the pictures I had posted online of one of my trail running adventures with my girlfriends. And she asked a question that um, I'm just going to tell you right now. Don't ask it unless you mean it. She asked if she could come along on one of my 50K runs. And then she actually showed up, followed through, and then we became really good friends, just kind of outside of all the tech stuff. Um, And she's kind of become just a great friend for doing these trail runs with me. So over the, the pandemic, she's become one of the people that I was able to connect with every couple of months, basically out distanced in the dirt. So, so grateful for that. So we actually recorded this episode when she happened to be in Sacramento following one of those trail runs. That's why we got a chance to do this in person. She was heading to the airport and gave me a half hour before she headed out. So this episode's basically going to be in two parts. First, we're going to talk tech. 
three things that you need to know, including some new tax rules if you use apps like Venmo or Zelle, whether you're using them as a customer or if you're somebody, this is really important, if you're somebody who provides a good or service and you use Venmo to collect your dough, you need to hear her tip that she's about to give you because it could cost you a lot of money if you don't do something very specific. She's going to tell you how to make your phone battery last longer, game changer, and then some apps you should check out the next time you move. And then we'll talk about what led Jen to research moving apps. After 20 years of being in the Bay Area, the heart of tech, she decided to move to the middle of nowhere, kind of, on an island for real. And she's not the only one. A lot of people are making big decisions to relocate to parts of the country that maybe pre-pandemic they thought, there's no way I could live there because I couldn't work there. But people are making some big changes and they don't do it lightly. They have to really evaluate it. And I'm really fascinated to find out what she weighed to make that decision. And then it's really interesting to hear where she ended up. It sounds awesome completely different from where she was living. She was living in Oakland, um, total concrete jungle, super urban, and now she's basically living in the middle of nowhere. That is not for everyone at all. And if you follow home shows, you know that the more remote you choose to live, obviously the more you get for your money. And she has done a total 180 in how she's working and then also how she's living. So interesting. On this Dying to Ask, we're talking tech. So again, we'll talk about what you need to know about Venmo, um, and especially important if you are somebody who takes money through one of these apps for a good or service. We'll talk about how to make the phone battery last longer, the things that we thought we were supposed to do to get that to happen. Totally not what we're supposed to do, as it turns out. And you need to move? Good luck with that. But we'll go over some of the best moving apps, and we'll talk about what should be packed in your moving truck before it takes off from your old house. And then, how do you know if moving far, far away is the right move for you? Tech expert Jennifer Jolly is my guest on This Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track, living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Just for background, you and I met probably, how long ago was it? Like. 15 years? I was I just going be, to say about 15 years ago. I think ago. we met 15 years ago. We met through work stuff. You yeah. would come into the station and do tech segments. And we just, you know, our, our worlds would kind of cross. And over the last, I don't know, five to seven years, we really became friend friends. Yeah. <laughs> outside of, you know, the journalism part of it. And Great. it's been a lot of fun. So that you've been in town in the last couple of days, and we did a 50K race together. You got me started on 50K races. I remember you talking about it. And I did the, I had kind of taken a break from running, and my body was kind of falling apart. And then I uh, was asked to run the um, New York City Marathon. Do you have to get that? No. <laughs> it's the husband. Oh, okay. gosh. I should make sure mine's turned off. <laughs> um, 
I got asked to run the New York City Marathon and to write a story about it for my columns in the New York Times. And I had kind of been out of it for a while. So you and I talked about that. And I remember I said, Deirdre, how do I start to prep to run a marathon? And you said, um, I think just maybe run would yeah. be a good way to start. Yeah. It was perfect. And then after I did that, I came up, did a segment with you. And I said, what about this whole 50K thing? You told me about this great one, Salmon Falls. And I signed up for it. And I ran it. And now I, we just ran our another one just the other day. And it's kind of become our thing. So we have this little group of four women and um, kind of the ride or die group. and Or yeah. run or die, I guess, would be. And run or die. Sometimes it does feel like death. I won't lie. Sometimes we die. <laughs> sometimes we die a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's become this like really great thing. And a couple times a year we get together and spend the day running, playing in the dirt. And I hope that we do that forever. Oh, yes. It is so much fun. And people say, how do you go out and run a 50K? You know, you must train. I really don't. No. For real. No. I think I've cracked the code on not training. Yes. Well, that way you're yeah. never overtrained. Right. So there's that. Fresh muscles. Yes. And <laughs> you just go slow and eat the whole time. Exactly. You eat it's candy. A, it's a catered buffet. For eight hours. And super fun. And just yeah. <laughs> hanging out with your friends and getting away from tech, which is the rest of your life right? and the rest of your world. Yeah. And it's such a joy. I did a big, huge digital detox last summer and wrote about it. And I did it. I didn't mean to do it. I did it because I was in Alaska and I couldn't get cell service in a lot of places that I ended up traveling to. I can't even begin to tell you how wonderful that was, how life-affirming and almost life-saving. I couldn't think straight. I, I My creativity was trashed. I was, I was sick of all of my own ideas. You know, just felt like I'd been there, done that, covered every story, nothing was new, just wasn't having fun. I mean, talk about burnout. I was, I was just really burned say, out. I mean, what you're describing is classic burnout. Yeah. But also in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, everybody we know was saying something along those lines. Yeah. And I had started to get burned out. I mean, this sounds horrible, but the pandemic could not have come at a more perfect time for me. I needed to stop traveling. I needed to stop working 20-hour days. And for the most part, I did. But actually being away from technology for two straight weeks, mm -hmm. like imagine not using your phone for two weeks. <laughs> it's so scary. Yeah. You know, I mean, I we all freak out when we just leave it at home for a few hours, like accidentally forget it. But it really fixed my brain. I feel like tech broke my brain and taking time off from it fixed my brain and I'm going to do it twice a year from now on no matter what. So interesting that you say that. Okay, so here's my plan for today. I want to talk to you about obviously techie stuff. So I've got a list of um, things you've been writing about recently that I think are really interesting. Um, we're going to talk about some of the tax rules. Everybody Venmos, but there are ways oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't Venmo. Yep, so we'll talk about that. Um, my, I got a new phone. I got that iPhone 12? I don't know. What number 13. We're on 13 now. No, I have the 12. And as soon as the 13 came out, my 12 stops working so well. So I want to ask you about battery life and, and what how you can extend battery life. And then um, you just wrote something about how to use apps to move because you just <laughs> left the center of technology. You left the Bay Area, which I wouldn't have thought a tech reporter mm -hmm. either could or should. And you have kind of blown up your life in this really delicious way. So the second part of the podcast, I want to talk about how do you make a decision to like do something quite so big? 
and okay. what, how it's all going. I'm ready to talk about okay, it. I love good. that. All right. So let's talk tech. Um, tax rules. Yeah. You just recently wrote a column about Venmo and no surprise, the government's coming after you on certain things. Yeah. So this is a big, big change. The, the thing that you need to know, number one, if you use Venmo or Zelle or PayDirect or any of those uh, technology person-to-person ways to, to pay people, if you use that, for splitting a bill, you know, we all go in on a pizza together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Venmo you or Zell you, you know, $15 for it. No problem whatsoever. Um, money exchanged between friends and family for vacations, dinners, whatever, that is not taxed. The, the IRS doesn't worry about that. It's when you're selling, it's the side hustle. Okay. When you're making masks at home and you're selling those, when you're... Um, some kind of of service if you're doing a service or a product and you're selling that and you make more than six hundred dollars you're going to get a form <clears throat> I think it's a 1099k I'd have to go back and look up my notes but you're going to get that form from those companies those companies are now required to report your earnings and income to the IRS so what you hear is that you have a lot of people who say are in um, personal care type stuff. So like uh, massage, hair, nails, something along those lines. And, you know, Venmo is easy. It's a lot easier for people to pay. You're not, you know, racking up charges using a square or something along those lines. But if they're using it as a business transaction, then you need to be legit and you need to be writing down what the service is so that there is a record of the service paid for the transaction. And that's exactly right. So the reason why the IRS, I talked to some folks at the IRS about this and they said, you know, it was nearly impossible for us to track income and people, some people legitimately didn't know that they had to pay taxes on income made through these peer to peer payment services. Some people just use that as a way to skirt paying taxes. Mm. So really they're trying to catch tax cheats. And I, when I first started looking into this, I thought, now how many people use PayPal, use Venmo, um, PayPal owns Venmo. How how many people actually use that? And it's hundreds of millions of people, tens of millions here in the United States. So when these new tax laws kicked in, they kicked in January 1st of this year, which means you don't have to worry about it until you go to pay taxes in 2023. Okay. There's also a really easy way on, I know about Venmo at least, to log that it's, uh, what's it called? I have to look up the term because it's been a few weeks since I wrote about this. And, and as you know, you write about something, you learn everything there is to learn about it, and then you just have to empty it from you your head to, to go Otherwise on to the next thing. you never learn new things. But this is an important one because, you know, back in the day, it was kind of a, that concept of cash under the table. This isn't cash under the table. This is money you're giving that has a paper trail. Yes. And, and that's the important thing is you're not going to get away with it long term. It's for it's money that you are paid. Somebody else pays to you for mm-hmm. goods and services. Now, where it gets tricky is let's say I sell uh, an old piece of furniture and I originally bought that couch for $1,000. I sell it for $300. Um, Am I going to pay taxes on that? And the IRS's answer is no. If you sell something, you take a loss for it, you don't owe taxes on that. Now, that's getting really into the weeds, and that's really yeah. confusing. 
But you do need to, like right in the app itself, push the little button that says goods and services. So it will itemize that for you. And then that company, Venmo or Zelle or whatever it is, will send you that form 1099K to report those earnings when you file taxes next year. Anything, friends, family, something that's not for the sale of goods and services, you don't have to worry then about. Good. Yeah. Then you're good. All right. So that's good advice. That's good advice. So, yeah. um, and as always, talk to a tax professional. Oh, not, not two thank girls you. who just came off the trail running. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. I I am not a tax professional. I like to play one on TV, <laughs> but I, you know, or yeah. on a podcast. But no, I just found that I just did not know how many people were worried about that or impacted by it. I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, because I see it everywhere, and I've asked for Venmo everywhere I go. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about phone battery life. What's going on with that these days? <laughs> okay, I never knew until I went to do this story, that if you want to see the percentage of battery life that you have, because you see, you know, you see it kind of draining in that mm-hmm. little picture at the upper right-hand corner of your smartphone. All you have to do is swipe down from okay. the top right. Okay, so yeah, this we'll, do, we'll do this. Like on an iPhone? On, on an, an iPhone. iPhone. Okay. Swipe down, and look, it tells you your battery percentage. Hmm, I can't see what that one You're at 59%. Okay, so it is, it is, it's noon yeah. right now. So I imagine it was charged up to 100%. You woke up, and by noon, it's already down to 59%. By probably three or four, depending on what you do with it, it'll be... I'm into the yellow, where it's like sending me the warning signs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what you are supposed to do with these lithium-ion batteries is it's okay to charge it up overnight, but that's not the only time you want to charge it up. You should not charge it when you swipe down and you see that percentage in the upper right hand corner you want to keep it between 30 percent and 80 percent if you can so with trickle charging you might have heard that term i haven't but that's great (laughs) okay so trickle charging because the apple knows that it it's going to wear your battery out faster if you charge it continuously up to 100 percent once it reaches 80 percent it'll start charging slower between 80 and 100 or if it reaches 100 it'll let itself drain a little bit charge itself back up a little bit drain a little bit that's called trickle charging some of the uh, most of the samsung phones do that Uh, the newer samsung's the newer iphones so that's better for your battery but the worst thing that you can do for your battery is charge it up to 100 percent, let it drain all the way until it dies charge it up to 100 fascinating yeah nobody knows that that's one of the biggest mistakes you're at the office plug it in plug it out like that's okay do um quick top offs during the day and if you can, like I am not the kind of person who can ever keep things between 30 and 80%. That's like in a perfect <laughs> yeah, world, right? right? But try not to let it drop below 30%. You, you see, I brought my little portable, I call it my portable charger. I bought it at the Apple store. It's an anchor charger where it, um, it's all magnets. I just stick my phone on it. I use it when I travel. It's a little bigger than normal, but I put my phone on it, my watch on it, and my um, AirPods. So all three can charge at the same time. And I just run around with it now because why not? So that's I mean, just healthier for your phone. Yeah. That is such a great thing. And my phone drains really, really fast because I never clear out my text messages. That includes the video and the photos that are there. Mm-hmm. That's typically draining a lot of your battery. It's anything that you have running in the background 
um, especially like apps like Facebook, Instagram, they're notorious for using a lot of battery in the background even when you're not using them. One common myth is, you know how, and I love to do this, it like satisfies my, my like, you know, OCD brain. Um, it, I love to force close all my apps. Yes. So you hold on, you, you swipe up from the yeah. bottom, you see all the apps that you have open, and then you swipe up on each one, one at a time. It's so funny that you can't see what we're doing, but I'm, I'm showing Deirdre. I'm like still mm-hmm. making the hand gestures. Swipe up, swipe, and it closes them all down. Well, it drains more battery to reopen them up one by one. So you shouldn't force close them. You should let them all stay open and running in the background. But what you should do, and I just, it was funny because at dinner last night, I just showed this to my friend Heather, our friend Heather, who Mm -hmm. you introduced me to. Uh, What you should do is go in, and here's another thing people don't know. So when you're trying to find something in your settings, so let's say you open your settings, to find anything on your phone at any time, you pull down from the top, you see your search bar there, you type in battery, battery health. Okay, so battery, battery health. So let's click on battery health. This shows us in the last 24 hours what's been eating up most of my battery life for being on Waze, which I can't pretty much drive anywhere without Waze, the phone, that's podcast background activity. So one thing you can do is go through and close down anything that's in there that is uh, that you don't want running in the background and using your settings. So if I'm not using Waze, I don't want Waze to be eating up my battery life. So you only have it running in the background when you need it running in the background. That does really that make sense? I feel like it I'm does. not saying it all that no, well, but the way no, that No, it does. Yeah, so you do that. The other thing you want to check, and we, I mean, this is getting too into the weeds, but you can go through apps one by one. So our friend Heather had every single one of them, like a hundred different apps turned on to run in the background. Whether she, you know, you don't need your Costco app running in the background, burning your battery. So close them, instead of default, all of them being on, turn them all off, and then turn the ones back on that you need when you're Here's using them. Here's my idea for business. And okay. probably a teenager could set this up and make a lot of money. And you should be able to go to a place and like somebody, you hand somebody your phone, you say, I want my phone to run faster. I want this, I want that. And they just like push all the buttons for you and set it up. So I went to the Apple store the mm-hmm. other day and I made an appointment with the Genius Bar and I said, why is my battery draining so fast? I don't understand. Do they get scared when they see someone like you walk in? They have no idea. I don't tell them <laughs> who I am. I love it when they try to... Um, I mean, I'm going to say this, mansplain all of it to me. And I'm like, oh, really? Text yeah, text-plain. Yeah. Thank you. Because it could be a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. But I love the text-plaining. Um, but what was funny is um, we were looking at it, and we there was something glitchy with the battery. I had to – they just replaced the whole phone huh. because I have Apple Care. Yeah. Because I have a million Apple gadgets, so they replace the whole entire phone. But I forget that I'm not always doing something wrong. Sometimes it's a bad battery. Every once in a while, it can just be that. It and it, yeah. you know what? I was sitting there and kind of heard that going on a lot around me too. The other thing I heard going on a lot around me, and you know, I was just sitting there taking notes and writing stuff down and thinking of stories for the future. But a lot of AirPods were coming in that weren't Apple AirPods; they were fakes. 
And so, but I started to tell you that story to say, my battery is still draining in funny ways. And there should be, you should be able to plug it in. There should be some diagnostic tool that says, this is the app that's yes. crushing your battery life. Waze shouldn't be killing my battery. There should be an app to figure that out. Yeah. I feel like people have tried to do that, but they haven't, but I'm going to write that down. Hmm. That's, yeah, write that that's down. how we're going to retire. That could be, that right could there. be your, big, your big idea right there. Okay, third um, and final tech topic I want to talk about is uh, deals with something that I think for most people is like the worst thing ever. Very few people say, I just moved. It was awesome. Nobody says that. Never. But now there are all these apps that are out there to help you with the moving process. Yeah. So what's the latest on that? Um, I would say don't move. Ever. Ever. Yeah, if you don't have to. No. <clears throat> um, there are some apps that make moving a little less of a nightmare. Um, everything from... Um, Dolly was a really helpful one. So when we arrived at our new house and there's two of us and we're both well over the age, well, I'm barely over the age of 50, but my husband is quite, well, wait, any, it doesn't matter. We don't want to be moving heavy furniture around from now on. I didn't want to do that when I was 20. I know, but here, the last time we moved two and a half years ago, right. we moved from a house we lived in for 10 years to the house that we bought and renovated and then two and a half years later here we are moving again we did it all ourselves the yeah. last time two and a half years ago i will never do it all myself ever again i i want my back to still work so dolly um you basically get on there it connects you with people in the area who will come over and help you move furniture really so it's kind of like task rabbit but like only <laughs> for moving furniture right very interesting yeah that was really cool um i'm trying to think of a Another couple of places that um, unpacked handy, handy, go to handyman for helping you set things up in your house. Another great app, and this is all in my column in usatoday.com slash tech, and then you can just go, not Google it, you use the little search bar once you get there and just type my name in. But another one is Sortly. It'll organize all of your boxes. So when you send your boxes away on a moving van, it'll tell you, you just snap a little photo, it gives a QR code on that box, and it'll tell you what's in each box. Oh, interesting. Which I love writing copious notes in Sharpie, mm -hmm. but you don't have to. So that's a that was a great one. Um, the other piece of advice... If you're hiring a moving van, put a Bluetooth tracker in at least one box. Maybe spread them among a few boxes because I had no idea how horrible many, many moving companies are. I didn't know the whole racket that is the moving van business. I think there are 10 companies. I've done a lot more research since, but I think there's about 10 in all of America that you can trust and all the rest have all these loopholes where they you know, say they're going to deliver your stuff within three to five days and 30 days later, it, it kind of, it feels like it's being held hostage. So stick a couple Bluetooth trackers and let them know you've done that. And you actually did that because your stuff wasn't showing up and you told them. Yes. Well, I, you, you told them that there were some trackers in there and then I, what happened? I got lucky and accidentally packed a tracker in one of the boxes. I'd forgotten about it until one of my friends said, oh, you should have packed. And I thought, wait, in all my tech stuff, there has to be one that's on. <laughs> and there was a tile tracker in there. But um, 
Yeah, it was, we had a broker company out of Florida and then they rearranged a local moving company. And I asked, my husband said all this up and I said, honey, did you just go with the least expensive? Like, how did we end up in this mess? He said, no, I went with the most expensive because they promised our stuff would be on a van all by itself. So it wouldn't be sent to three other states before it, you know, moved the 13 hours between West Oakland to Whidbey Island. And because they said it would be delivered within three to five days after they picked it up. Well, it, it, they also, the other trick is they, you know how you call and it says this call is being recorded for quality assurance? Yes. Tell them you're doing the same thing. And then download an app, like I use Tape a Call Pro. So you're actually tape recording the call. So you could, I could say to them, you know, on January 15th at 3.15 Pacific time, your salesperson told me three to five days that we had paid for this. (laughs) Let's go to exhibit A. Yeah, but it's funny because they're like, well, we're going to go back and listen to it. And I was like, well, that's great. Please do. Because, you know, two minutes and 15 seconds into the conversation, you're going to hear this. Whether they actually go back and listen to it or not, they know I'm not making it up. I'm not being a hysterical female wondering where my stuff is. They were not going to deliver it for 30 days until I said that I have the tracker in there. And, oh, ironically, it hasn't left Oakland. And, you know, two and a half weeks later, and that I had where they told us that stuff. You know, though, it kind of makes sense to me because think of how infrequently you move. I mean, yes, you moved twice in two and a half years, but you're kind of, that's not the norm. I was a most weirdo. Us, yeah. yeah, I mean, most of us don't move that often. Yeah. So we don't have that much experience with the industry. Mm. And you're kind of vulnerable because you need to get your stuff somewhere. So I think those are some really... Those are some really good tips. Okay. Such an important like, consumer story, consumer awareness. So let's get to the second part of the podcast. And that has to do with the fact that you moved. And I find this really fascinating because so many people in the last couple of years have been really reevaluating their life. So you've heard about like the great resignation, the great realization, the great pumpkin. I mean, like the great, yeah. pumpkin, right? Like, <laughs> right. The great pause, the great, yeah. Yes, everything Pivot. is the great. Yeah. Um, and you made the decision to do that too. You've been in the Bay Area for a million years, at least. You know, yeah, top since before cell phones. in the country. In my book, thank you. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, to be fair, that's official. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it, you know, most people would think there's no way you would ever leave the Silicon Valley area, and yet you made the decision to kind of blow it all up, and you went yeah. to a remote place because you can. So will you explain that and how you knew that it was like a good thing to do? Well, I mean, there's so many parts to this story. But number one, my husband and I purchased our first home two and a half years ago. Uh, I am now 51. So I was 49 and had to save up money my whole life and lived in the Bay Area, which is notoriously expensive, and rented a home for, you know, one beautiful home in a beautiful area for 10 years. But it was time. It was time to finally buy a home. Well, where we could afford to buy was in a in a really rough part of Oakland. And I grew up in Alaska. I'm very comfortable in the woods. I am not comfortable where everything is paved and there's graffiti everywhere. And and I mean, that was that alone was really out of my comfort zone. It just wasn't how you wanted to live at no. this point in your life. So how did you decide, though, like where to go? Because you hear well, so many people have made these 
almost hair trigger decisions yeah. during the pandemic to get closer to family, to get um, more land, to get away from people, to do a lot of these kinds of things. We're kind of getting into the endemic phase of this. So yeah. it's not like that urgency is necessarily still there. How did you make a decision to make such a radical change in your life? I don't get much out of going physically to the companies that are in the Silicon Valley. I've gone to one in the last year before, and it was a robotics company that was really fascinating. I really had to see it for myself. But for the most part, I don't leave my house anyway. And when I do, it's on a rare occasion. Like, I don't, just don't really get a whole lot out of, um, you know, I, I've been to Facebook, I've been to Twitter headquarters, I've been to all of those, but not in the last five years. Interesting. So I don't need to be in the Silicon Valley and some of the other world's best technology reporters aren't in the Silicon Valley. Also, I am super consumer focused. Silicon Valley is very much a bro. It's still bro culture. It's still inside baseball. And a lot of the journalism and reporting that comes out of there isn't aimed for the consumer who's buying that phone. That we, I don't need to be there to tell that story. In fact, I think I've been covering tech now, just tech, tech only for 12 years. Early days, first five years, yes, no matter what, I would have, I had to be there. Now it's almost better to be further away because that helps me relate better to what the general public is going through. Moving into a house <clears throat> where I have a horrible Wi-Fi signal or no cell signal, that's what most people go through. And we don't realize that living in the, in the epicenter of technology. Yeah. You know, we just don't know how good we have it. But I used to hear all the time about people who couldn't, you know, their every video call was stuttering and dropping, and now I can relate. And I remember um, during the pandemic, <clears throat> I remember you wrote about this too. You traveled the country in like a sprinter van, mm -hmm. kind of looking like, where do we want to live? You have the freedom, your daughter, your children, um, you guys have three kids between you, are kind of grown and flown. So you have the opportunity to go reinvent and start over. And you traveled the country looking around to see where do we want to live? And you ended up um, in a really remote place, yeah. the island. <laughs> now, here's what's great about it. It is an island. My aunt and uncle live there. Which is cool. And and so that that is the move closer to family. Uh, but it's an hour and a half to, it's an hour to Seattle with a ferry ride, a 15-minute ferry ride. So and Seattle's huge. Seattle's a big, thriving, also a mecca of technology. You know, we have Microsoft there. Amazon headquarters are there. There's a ton of tech happening there. Um, in fact, I feel like our house, we moved from a 1,650 square foot, 1888 Victorian to a 8,000 square foot <laughs> former bed and breakfast for $100,000 more. So think of what you can get. And you know, you always hear people say this, um, but I, this, the move opens up being able to report on technology and consumer technology in a way I haven't had the space to do in San Francisco. That 1,650 square foot house was so small during the pandemic when my daughter, who's in college, was living back home with us. My parents live with us for a couple months every winter. You know, they, their full-time home is in Alaska, but they come down and spend three or four months with us. Man, that place was way too small. I had gadgets piled up in every nook and cranny 
Now we have whole rooms for that. We'll have a proper studio. You know, we can kind of do things in the way that I had always wished we had the ability to do. I feel like it should be a reality show. Oh God, it should be a reality (laughs) show. Especially if I get chickens. I have to learn chicken uh, husbandry. I don't know. That sounds weird. But yeah, I have to learn about that from you. But we can test things in such authentic ways that we couldn't do before. Right. Now, I think it's really, I think it's really fascinating that you're doing it. And the people that I've shared it with are like, she did what? I know. And was that kind of the reaction that you got from a lot of people? Everybody. Yeah. My parents used to come visit from Alaska and say, like, I don't, we don't understand. What did we do wrong? Why do you live in a city? And then mm-hmm. I'd take them up to the Oakland Hills and, yeah. and we'd go out. But you always the... lived in, you know, very urban environment compared to the way you had grown up. Yeah. So it is completely different. But what was the reaction like for most people when you told them where you were going? Very similar to your reaction. Like, wait, what? What? <laughs> and and how do you how are you aren't you just gonna fall off the map? Well, but what's funny? I have two, you know, out and backs to do the Today Show in New York. You know, in this month coming up this month. So, my life was either traveling to cover something or be on some TV show um, before. Once we're in this endemic times, I'll probably go back to a lot of that. But it, my life won't change much. I mean, I'll just be testing gadgets in my house. And, and if anything, it just doubles, triples, quadruples the space and, and time and place that I have to do that. Did you worry once you made such a big change, you would get there and it would blow up in your face? Like you'd be like, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just a month into it. It still could blow up into my face. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I came back here to run this 50K with you, but also to get my hair done (laughs) because there's no place on the island. I'm sure there's a place to get my hair done, but I just haven't found it yet. No. Right. So what what advice would you give to people who maybe are making, thinking about making such a big leap? Oh, well, I don't, I don't promise to know anything more than you know yourselves. I think I really worried that I would not be able to adjust to the weather. So far, the weather's just been awesome. And waking up to snow one day was just a lovely, wonderful change. Embrace the change, embrace the adventure the things that worked in your last house that don't work in your new house, that's part of the adventure and part of the learning curve. So I, I just, I haven't spoken to a ton of people who've made the move. I've, of course, heard anecdotally about a bunch of people mm-hmm. who have. I think just if you feel like you can only be good at your job if you're in a city, don't leave the city. I mean, that seems natural, but... I think the future of the workplace is going to look much more like it looks now with with video calls and flexible office hours. And I have always felt, as a journalist, I can get so much more done if I don't have to go to 15 in-person meetings during the day. Yeah. Well, so, I think a lot, a lot of people have been able to road test that over the last couple of yeah. years. I don't think most have made quite as big a change as you have made. Yeah. <laughs> but... I'm excited to hear about the things that you end up doing. Yeah, my daughter wanted us to wait until she was done with undergrad at UC Davis. She was an hour away. And when we found this place, we just happened upon it. It was really close. We went up to a, a baby shower for my cousin, and this place was right around the corner. One of his best childhood friends, that that gentleman's grandfather and aunt, had owned it as a bed and breakfast for years and years. So I, we just kind of just said at the end of the day, oh, let's just go look at the old Morris farmhouse bed and breakfast. 
we went through this house, this monstrosity of a house, and both of us were like, oh, this is wonderful. We just don't need this big of a house. We walked out back to the five acres of old growth forest and said, this is it. We're home. We could both invite. It was the first place we went to we could see spending the rest of our lives yeah. living in and also um, creating a place for my parents to spend the rest of their lives and, and that multi-generational living which well is, good news is yeah. that when you buy an old bed and breakfast you'll have enough room that you might not see them for years <laughs> at a time well i thought you were going to say good news i really thought the end of that sentence was be that you could come visit and you won't see me for and- <laughs> <time>. <laughs> you're correct on that so what are good ways to keep up with you these days First of all, I have to go back on the grid. I have been remiss in my social media posting. And and I, a lot of that was due to burnout. It takes a lot of time. But, but if you join in on the conversation and you comment and you ask me questions, social media is a wonderful place, especially Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Those Just are the ones Jennifer that I'm... Jolly. Yeah, I'm Jolly. at Jen Jolly, J-E-N-N-J-O-L-L-Y on Instagram. Facebook, you can uh, find me Jennifer Jolly Tech or Techish, T-E-C-H-I-S-H. Twitter is at Jennifer Jolly. Um, I do have a website that's in desperate need. I, I redesigned it, revamped it completely head to toe a year ago and still haven't published the new version yet. I know. I know it's coming, um, <laughs> but that's techish.com and leaving a comment there. You can always get, get through straight to me. People send me emails. They're like, oh, we're trying to reach Jennifer Jolly. No, it's me. I really read those emails. Yeah, like, so. hey, I, I'm reading it. It's me. Yeah. Biggest takeaways on a practical level that charging your phone off and on all day game changer. We recorded that show about a week ago and I've been doing that ever since and it works. Like seriously, it really, really works. My phone has gone from draining out at 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon to staying at 60, 70% most of the day, and, and that's great. So I don't have to worry about being out of touch with the kids or missing out on something, which has been just nice. Nice not to have to worry about that. On a personal level, I do find it very interesting that, at least personally, everyone I know who made a big move during the pandemic and completely changed where and how they lived seems to be pretty happy with the decision. I find that really fascinating. And when we have had viewers who have told me on social media posts that they have moved to fill in the blank state, I usually do follow up and ask them how it's going because I'm curious. And everybody seems to really be into what they've done. I don't hear a lot of buyer's remorse. And I wonder if that's from living for 18 months with basically not leaving your house. You're just really ready and open to an adventure of being somewhere different. I think that's very cool, and I hope it continues to be a good move for all you guys. Um, and then one more thing. If you casually tell me that you really want to run a 50K, be ready, because you don't know what could happen next. That's how Jennifer Jolly and I got to know each other on a personal level, because there's nothing more personal than running in the woods with somebody for seven or eight hours. I mean, it's either going to go spectacularly well or not. <laughs> Fortunately for us, we've gotten to know each other um, as friends, but then also as work colleagues as well. And uh, I really do have enjoyed getting to know that side of her. And I've just respected her like crazy for such a long time for what she brings to the world of tech. And uh, she's the real deal, just so you know. Real deal. What you see is what you get. Thank you so much to Run Mom 1130 who left a great review on Apple Podcasts. 
saying, best way to get through the miles, keep them coming. I need the entertainment on my runs. You have a knack of keeping it entertaining and informative. Lots of times I have to listen to them again. Not a bad thing to write down the brilliant ideas, the quotes and helpful hints. Man, I slow down my runs on podcasts listening so many times because of the same exact thing. You hear somebody say something or they mention a book or they, you know, say something you're like, oh, I got to remember that. So I do listen to some things a second time. And I think that is kind of a good idea. Um, but thank you so much. I appreciate it because those reviews are super powerful and that is how podcasts get shared and grow and end up going up on the charts on these podcast platforms. It's a big deal. So thank you, Run Moms 1130. Thanks for listening today. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and this is Dying to Ask.